0: Chapter 8 of The Martyrs of Science This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Martyrs of Science by David Brewster Life of Tycho Brahe. Chapter 2 Frederick II patronizes Tycho and resolves to establish him in Denmark grants him the highland of UN for life, and builds a splendid observatory of Uraniburg, description of the island and of the observatory, account of its astronomical instruments, Tycho begins his observations, his pupils, Tycho is made canon of Rothschild, and receives a large pension, his hospitality to his visitors, ingratitude of Welchius, Tycho sends an assistant to take the latitude of Fraunburg, and Königsberg, is visited by ulrich duke of mecklenburg change in tycho's fortunes the patronage which had been extended to astronomers by several of the reigning princes of germany especially by the landgrave of hesse and augustus elector of saxony had begun to excite a love of science in the minds of other sovereigns the king of denmark seems to have felt it as a stain upon his character that the only astronomer in his dominance should carry on his observations in distant kingdoms and adorn by his discoveries other courts than his own with this feeling he sent ambassadors to hesse castle to enquire after tycho and to intimate him his wish that he should return to denmark and his anxiety to promote the advancement of astronomy in his own dominance tycho had left castle when these messengers arrived and had heard nothing of the king's intention till he was about to quit Knutstrop with his family for basel at that time he was surprised at the arrival of a noble messenger who brought a letter requesting him to meet the king as soon as possible at copenhagen tycho lost no time in obeying the royal summons the king received him with the most flattering kindness he offered to give him a grant for life of the island of Hven between denmark and sweden and to construct and furnish with instruments at his own expense an observatory as well as a house for accommodation of his family together with a laboratory for carrying on his chemical inquiries Tycho, who truly loved his country was deeply affected with the munificence of the royal offer he accepted of it with a warmth of gratitude which it was calculated to inspire he particularly rejoiced in the thought that if any success should attend his future labours the glory of it would belong to his native land the island of juan is about six miles from the coast of zealand three from that of sweden and fourteen from copenhagen it is six miles in circumference and rises into the form of a mountain which though very high terminates in a plain it is nowhere rocky and even in the time of tycho it produced the best kind of grains afforded excellent pasturage for horses cattle and sheep and possessed deer has rabbits and partridges in abundance it contained at that time only one village with forty inhabitants, having surveyed his new territory, Tycho resolved to build a magnificent tower in the centre of the elevated plain, which he resolved to call Uraniburg or the city of the Heavens. Having made the necessary arrangements, he repaired to the island on the eighth of August, and his friend Charles Densus laid the foundation stone on the new observatory, which consisted of a slab of porphyry. With the following inscription: Reniante indania Frederico II, Carlo's Dancius Aquitanus, R.J.A.D.L., Dominic Philosophiae Impresque Astrorum Contemplationi, Regis decreto a viro ticoni brahi di Knutstro, votivum unc lapidem memoriae e Felicis auspici ergopi anno, AUGUSTI. the ceremony was performed early in the morning of a splendid day in which the rising sun threw its blessing upon frederick and upon the party of the noblemen and philosophers who had assembled to testify the law of science an entertainment was provided for the occasion and copious libations of a variety of wines were offered for the success of the undertaking The observatory was surrounded by a rampart, each face of which was 300 feet long. About the middle of each face, the rampart became a semicircle, the inner diameter of which was 90 feet. The height of the rampart was 22 feet, and its thickness at the base 20. Its four angles corresponded exactly with four cardinal points, and at the north and south angles were erected turrets, of which one was a printing house and the other a residence of the servants gates were erected at east and west angles and above them were apartments for reception of strangers within the rampart was a shrubbery with about three hundred varieties of trees and at the centre of each semicircular part of the rampart was a bower or a summer-house this shrubbery surrounded the flower garden which was terminated within a circular wall about forty-five feet high which enclosed a more elevated area in centre of which stood the principal building in the observatory and from which four paths led to the above-mentioned angles, with as many doors for entering the garden. The principal building was about 60 feet square. The doors were placed on the east and west sides, and on the north and south fronts were attached two round towers, whose inner diameter was about 32 feet, and which formed the observatories, which had windows in their roof, that could be opened towards any part of the heavens. The accommodations for the family were numerous and splendid, under the observatory in the south tower was the museum and library and below this again was the laboratory in subterraneous crypt containing sixteen furnaces of various kinds beneath this was a well forty feet deep and from which water was distributed by siphons to every part of the building besides the principal building there were two situated without the rampart one to the north containing a workshop for the construction of astronomical and other instruments and the other to the south which was occupied as a sort of farmhouse these buildings cost the king of denmark hundred thousand bricks dollars twenty thousand pounds and tycho is said to have expended upon them a similar sum as the two towers could not accommodate the instruments which tycho required for his observations he found it necessary to erect on the hill about sixty paces to the south of the oraniburg a subterranean observatory in which he might place his larger instruments which required to be firmly fixed and to be protected from the wind and the weather this observatory which he called strainberg or the mountain of the stars consisted of several crypts separated by solid walls and to these there was a subterranean passage from the laboratory in Uraniburg. The various buildings which Tycho erected were built in a regular style of architecture and were highly ornamented, not only with external decorations, but with statues and pictures of the most distinguished astronomers, from Hippocarpus and Ptolemy down to Copernicus, and with inscriptions and poems in the honour of astronomers. While these buildings were erecting and after their completion, Tycho was busily occupied in preparing instruments for observation. These were of the most splendid description, and the reader will form some notion of their grandeur and their expense from the following list. In the south and greater observatory, a semicircle of solid iron covered with brass four cubits radius, a sextant of the same materials in size, a quadrant of one and a half cubits radius, and an azimuth circle of three cubits. Ptolemy's parallactic rules covered with brass four cubits inside. The sextant already described in page 134. Another quadrant like number third. Zodiacal armillaries of melted brass and turned out of solid of three cubits in diameter. Near this observatory was a large clock with one wheel two cubits in diameter and two smaller ones which like it indicated hours, minutes and seconds. In the south and lesser observatory, an armillary sphere of brass with steel meridian, whose diameter was about 4 cubits. In the North Observatory, brass paralytic rules, which revolved in azimuth above a brass horizon, 12 feet in diameter, a half-sextant of 4 cubits radius, a steel sextant, another half-sextant with steel limb, 4 cubits radius, the paralytic rules of Copernicus, equatorial armillaries, a quadrant of solid plate of brass, Five cubits in radius, showing every ten seconds. In the museum was a large globe made at Augsburg. In the Steinberg Observatory, in the central part, a large semicircle with a brass limb and three clocks, showing hours, minutes, and seconds. Equatorial armillaries of seven cubits, with semi armillaries of nine cubits. A sextant of four cubits radius. A geometrical square of iron with an intercepted quadrant of five cubits. And divided into fifteen seconds, a quadrant of four cubits radius, showing ten seconds with an azimuth circle, zodiacal armillaries of brass with steel meridians three cubits in diameter, a sextant of brass kept together by screws and capable of being taken to pieces for travelling with, its radius was about four cubits, a movable armillary sphere three cubits in diameter, a quadrant of brass one cubits radius and divided into minutes by nonian circles, an astronomical radius of solid brass 3 cubits long, an astronomical ring of brass a cubit in diameter, a small brass astrolabe. In almost all the instruments now enumerated, the limb was subdivided by diagonal lines, a method which Tycho first brought into use, but which in modern times has been superseded by inventions of Nonius and Vernier. When Tycho had thus furnished his observatory he devoted himself to examination of the stars and during twenty-one years which he spent in this delightful occupation he made vast additions to astronomical science in order to instruct the young in the art of observation and educate assistants for his observatory yet sometimes under his roof from six to twelve pupils whom he boarded and educated some of these were named by the king and educated at his expense others were sent by different academics and cities and several, who had presented themselves on their own accord, were liberally admitted by the generous astronomer. As Tico had spent nearly a ton of gold, about $100,000, in his outlay of Uraniburg, his own income was reduced to very narrow limits. To supply this defect, Frederick gave him an annual pension of $2,000 besides an estate in Norway, and made him canon of Episcopal Church of Rothschild, or prebent of St. Lawrence, which had an annual income of $1,000. And which was burdened only by the expense of keeping up the chapel containing the mausoleum of the kings of the family of oldenburg it would have been an unprofitable task and one by no means interesting to general reader to give a detailed history of the various astronomical observations and discoveries which were made by tycho during the twenty years which he spent at uraniburg every phenomenon that appeared in the heavens he observed with the greatest care while he at the same time carried on regular series of observations of determining the place of the fixed stars and for improving the tables of the sun moon and planets though almost wholly devoted to those noble pursuits yet he kept an open house and received with unbounded hospitality the crowds of philosophers nobles and princes who came to be introduced to the first astronomer of the age and to admire the splendid temple which the danish sovereign had consecrated to science among the strangers whom he received under his roof there were some who returned his kindness with ingratitude among these was paul which a mathematician who under the pretence of devoting his whole life to astronomy insinuated himself to the utmost familiarity with tycho the unsuspecting astronomer explained to his guest all his inventions described all his methods and even made him acquainted with those views which he had not realized and with instruments which he had not yet executed. When he had thus obtained possession of these methods, and inventions and views of Tycho, and had enjoyed his hospitality for three months, he pretended that he was obliged to return to Germany to receive an inheritance to which he had succeeded. After quitting Uraniburg, this ungrateful mathematician neither returned to see Tycho, nor kept up any correspondence with him, and it was not till five years after his departure that Tycho learned from the letters of the Prince of Hesse to Ranzau, that which had passed through Hesse, and had described, as his own, the various inventions and methods which had been shown to him in Huen. Being unable to reconcile his own observations with those of Copernicus, and with the Protonic tables, Tycho resolved to obtain new determinations of the latitude of Ronberg in Prussia, where Copernicus made his observations, and of Königsberg in the meridian in which Reinhold had adopted his Britannic tables. For these purposes he sent one of his assistants, Elias Morcianus, with a proper instrument under the protection of Piliwis, Ambassador of Margrave of Hanpak, to the King of Denmark, who was returning by sea to Germany, and after receiving the greatest attention and assistance from the noble canons of Ermland, he determined from nearly a month's observations on the sun and the stars that the latitude of Fraunberg was fifty four degree twenty two and a half minute in place of fifty four degree nineteen and a half minute as given by Copernicus. In like manner he determined that the latitude of Königsberg was fifty four degree forty three minutes in place of fifty four degrees seventeen minutes as adopted by Reinhold. When Mausianus returned to Hoyen in July he brought with him as a present to Tycho from John Hannius, one of the canons of Hermeland, the Ptolemaic rules On the parallactic instrument which copernicus had used and made with his own hands it consisted of two equal wooden rules five cubits long and divided into thousand four hundred and fourteen parts tycho preserved this gift as one peculiarly dear to him and on the day of his receiving it he composed a set of verses in honour of the great astronomer to whom it belonged among the distinguished visits which were paid to tycho we must enumerate that ulrich duke of mecklenburg in 1586 although his daughter sophia queen of denmark had already paid two visits to uraniburg in the same year yet such was her love of astronomy that she accompanied her father and his wife elizabeth on this occasion ulrich was not only fond of science in general but had for many years devoted himself to chemical pursuits and he was therefore peculiarly gratified in examining the splendid laboratory and extensive apparatus which tycho possessed it has been said by some of the biographers of tycho that the landgrave of esse visited uraniburg about this period but this opinion is not correct as it was only his astronomer and optician rothman who made the journey to huyen in 1591 for the recovery of his health Tycho had long carried on a correspondence with this able astronomer, respecting the observations made at the observatory of Hesse Castle, and during the few months which they now spent together, they discussed in amplest manner all the questions which had previously been agitated. Rothman was astonished at wonderful apparatus which he saw at Uraniburg, and returned to his native land charmed by the hospitality of the Danish astronomer. Hitherto, we have followed Tycho through a career of almost unexampled prosperity. When he had scarcely reached his thirtieth year, he was established, by the kindness and liberality of his sovereign, in the most splendid observatory that had ever been erected in Europe. And a thriving family, an ample income, and a widely extended reputation were added to his blessings. Of the value of these gifts, he was deeply sensible, and he enjoyed them the more that he received them with a grateful heart. Tycho was a christian as well as a philosopher the powers of his gifted mind have been amply displayed in astronomical labors but we shall now have a vocation to witness his piety and resignation in submitting to an unexpected and adverse destiny end of chapter 8 read by lambda